0: Welcome to the Africa Arena podcast, the African tech and innovation audio show. Now, for those who don't know, Africa Arena is a pan-African ecosystem accelerator whose mission is to help African startups access bigger markets and raise more capital. Each year during our tour, we scour the major capitals of the continent in search of the most game-changing startups in each region, which we then bring to our annual summit in Cape Town of November that year. In each episode, we chat to the most interesting thought leaders, founders, investors, and corporate change makers of our time about their work, impact, and ideas. We unpack their many insights around innovation, growth, the challenges we face, mindset, and of course, investment because our mission is to accelerate the rate at which our ecosystems are growing throughout this incredible continent of ours called Africa. So, with that said, let's get stuck into this week's episode with me, your host. Patrick Craig. Welcome to the Africa Arena Podcast. Hello beautiful people and welcome back to season 6 of the Africa Arena Podcast and what an epic journey it has been. To kick off this season, I'm going to take us back to Dakar to the beautiful conference spots at Hotel Terrobi where we hosted our latest West African Summit. Throughout the conference, I chatted to various stakeholders in our ecosystem to gather their insights into exactly what's happening on the ground in this exciting frontier tech ecosystem of Dakar to share with all of you. Massive thanks to our partners, DR Delegation Générale Entreprise Rapide the ITC, International Trade Center, Amazon Web Service and all our greater partners and networks for making this summit happen. If it wasn't for all of you, we would not be here sharing these insights and stories with you today. In this episode, we're going to unpack what makes the West African ecosystem, specifically Dakar, so exciting and what is happening on the ground and really dig deep into what people are noticing in some of the work and ventures that they are building. We're going to deep dive on what made them come to Dakar in the first place, why they're excited about it, why they're investing in it. And if you're curious about this region, perhaps this episode will give you some further insight into why it's worth taking seriously and paying it a visit at next year's summit. So without further ado, let's get stuck in, shall we? You're listening to the African Wire Podcast. Right, to kick off this week's episode and deep dive into the Senegalese ecosystem, we thought there is no one better suited than someone who grew up in Senegal itself. Over the past two decades, she has witnessed and been part of its incredible development. Her mission is dedicated to human development and creating environments that maximize an individual's potential through entrepreneurship. She is the lead of innovation and strategy for Africa for 500 Global and her name is Maram Dia.
1: Thank you. So first, um, I want to say that for us it's a pleasure honor and I speak more here as a Senegalese um, to have the Africa Runner and to have the Africa happening in the same week in Dakar in Senegal. Um, I think Senegal has been really working and trying to become a lot more of an attractive um, hub for entrepreneurship, for startups, for founders, for investors in general. So it's a, it's a pleasure for us to have everybody here this week. Um, we are excited about, you know, the Francophone region for so many different reasons. The first one being that today, you know, when you take the Francophone region as a region, not just as singular countries, There is such a big opportunity uh, for just startups to build businesses that can scale across these different countries um, because it's the same language. Um, They have similar regulatory and and, and infrastructures framework. They have similar issues that they're experiencing, but also just their governments work very closely together. The Francophone governments are quite close with each other. Um, So there is a real opportunity for founders to be able to scale across this region. The second reason uh, why we're so excited about the region is when you look at um, when you look at the African market, right? It's generally quite fragmented. We have to say, of course, we always talk about how big you know the continent is and how big the opportunity for it is, but the reality is also the market is quite fragmented. You have some very big active markets um, with high population, high growth, but then you have so many smaller countries that are trying to figure out how to create synergies. And I think Francophone Africa has a play there to try to basically model and pilot what a cross-market would look like, which I think gives us the ability to basically test it at a smaller scale, and then see basically what does it take to build that across the entire continent so there was really an opportunity here for both the private and the public sector in francophone Africa to model and pilot what does a cross regional market look like and how can we apply that to to the rest of the regions um, and how can the regions do that at the sub-regional level first and then figure out you know a more continental approach and then the last reason is that we've heard a lot of you know strong and very valid excitement about the big four markets um which i think is completely uh, again validated why there's such a big interest but then not that many investors are looking at francophone africa right um not that many of them are really you know trying to take the risk in the market right trying to come early trying to do early stage investments and so for us, it's an opportunity, a very strong opportunity to basically come first. Um, that is not to say that there are not already other local and regional players who are already writing checks um, in Africa, for Africa, who are already active, who are quite already impactful in the work that they do. But at least from a global perspective, um, we're really taking in a look uh, into the market. We think there is a lot of opportunity to be able to come, come, come very early.
0: And do you think it's working? There's like this test that you said, this experiment that this region is trialing. Right? Yeah. It's obviously normalizing five currencies. and mm-hmm. um, Trying to obviously create partnerships and synergies to get rid of bureaucracy and red tape to yeah. enable that, tra- uh, you know, external mm-hmm. trade. Mm-hmm. Is it working? In your perspective?
1: So I think it's significantly better than how it was uh, five, seven years ago. I think there's still a lot of work mm-hmm. to be done. Uh, But what I see today in Francophone Africa, to be very frank, I had never seen it before seven years ago, right? Today, we have Francophone companies that are expanding into Senegal, Senegalese companies that are expanding into Ivory Coast, Ivory companies that are expanding into Togo. I mean, this is unprecedented from a regional collaborative perspective, right? Because those companies often, right, before, um, whenever they were building any type of local service, they would think about that service and then any type of you know, further regional thinking would directly go abroad, right? They would literally think about France. They would literally think about hiring talent there. They would think about going to get resources there. Now what we're seeing is that, um, you know, we're seeing companies that are looking to hire regionally. They're looking for talents here. They're looking for talents in other Francophone countries. Um, they are looking for opportunities for investment. They are looking for knowledge transfer. They are looking for also looking at what are similar companies that have already tried to run similar models in other Francophone countries, and why did it not work? Yeah. So I think the attention they're definitely putting it in the right place. I think also both the private and the public sector um, is also now completely looking at it from a different perspective. So, for example, a company like Sonatel, uh, which is, you know, orange based here uh, in Senegal and that owns a lot of the subsidies in Francophone Africa. So Sonatel actually, as a Senegalese entity, owns a lot of the subsidies of orange here in the region. and today for you know the first time in 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 the way that they approach it they're not just thinking about the operations here but they're thinking about how do they scale it across the region but also how do they become a platform for the region right so not just a senegalese entity not just a sierra leone entity not just um a malian entity but a francophone approach on a francophone platform, um, and I think just the fact that we're talking about francophone platform as a concept means that things have really, 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 really moved um, on, on this site. Now, that is not to say that there is a lot of work um, still to be done. I mean, there are still a lot of significant challenges um, here uh, in the region. In in you know, the language is a is a great push of commonality, uh, but I think there was a lot of still work to be done in looking at how do we think about, um, you know, regulations to be more standardized. Of course, we have UMOA, which is a great strength because, you know, when things get basically ratified at the UMOA level, they're applicable for all of those different countries, which I think is a really, really good competitive advantage that we have. Um, Of course, you've heard the conversations around the currency, the ECHO. Uh, being able to have all a uh, similar currency that can be can be used, which I also think is going in the right direction. Right? Um, I think transportation is also a very very big issue that we need to address, which is there needs to be viable, rapid, effective, and environmentally friendly ways for you to be able to get from Dakar to Lomé to 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 Benin to 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 Mali to Morte. There has to be this network, um, and I know that. You know, different governments are working very closely with their national airlines to try to create that network. Um, I know that they're looking into building further infrastructure for you know, sub-regional trains and, and cross-regional. But I think that you know, there are still a lot of work that has to be done uh, before we, we, we can fully say that we're an integrated region. But just the fact that we're working towards that is a big shift from what we were doing a few years ago.
0: Ah, always love chatting to Marem, she's always full of such great insights. Next, we caught up with Rajiv Dyer. He is the Head of Investments at Founders Factory, a venture development company that designs, builds and scales tech-enabled businesses across Africa. This was Rajiv's first visit to the region, and so we wanted to get his initial thoughts on this exciting new ecosystem.
2: Look, we, we are largely an Anglophone-based uh, company. We have investments, 40 investments across the continent into Anglophone Africa, and this is largely a learning exercise for us to understand more about the market dynamics, the culture, the people, the problems and whether we feel that there is value that we can add as an incubator and accelerator in this market. So largely a learning exercise for us, meeting new people, building relationships with those we, we've known for a while. What have you learned so far? It's your first time, right? It's my first time. Uh, I, I've learned that there is a there is an energy here in in the collective. Uh, of, of, of the region, the Francophone region. Uh, similar, uh, obviously having, having the same currency and having a few macroeconomic uh, tailwinds that I think lend themselves to operating as a region more so than we see in other regions across the continent. So that's, that, that's a huge positive. And what are
0: some of those macroeconomic tailwinds that you mentioned?
2: So I think the, the parallel that I would draw is, is similar to what you've seen in Egypt. Yep. so you know just having conversations with, with with investors over the last couple of days, especially those who've come from places like Paris, where there is a, uh, a, a cultural uh, similarity that lends itself to operating in francophone Africa, similar to what we've seen with Middle Eastern uh, you know Dubai uh, type capital that's that's come into the Egyptian market. So it's it's not necessarily, uh, an Africa strategy but more so a strategy investing into markets that operate with a similar culture similar language and I think the francophone region has certainly benefited from that at least from a European mm. uh, standpoint so so you know relationships whether it's with corporates or more institutional type organizations in France for example uh, coming into this market I think has benefited from the fact that Uh, there's a large enough, as a collective, there's a large enough market opportunity that is French-speaking that lends itself to uh, France, for example, or French corporates, French DFIs
0: that look at the market as a whole. True. I mean, uh, I think the collective francophone market here in Africa is over 100 million people, which is a very large market to talk to. Um, But do you think that this francophone, uh, non-French-speaking disparity is such a challenge or do you think it's it's because often before people be like oh, I don't speak the language I don't know if I can operate there but just some of the conversations we've had on those on conferences kind of going well actually maybe it's a bit easier than we thought it was or is that not the case I mean how, what's your experience been I would say from my
2: experience it's not the case I think it's still it, it, it is fundamentally different Uh, And from what I understand from people who've been here longer than I have, there's a generation of founders who are a bit more global in their relationships, in the businesses they're trying to build, uh, who are making efforts to to make that easier from an integration standpoint, specifically language. Uh, So I may not have seen that over the last couple of days, uh, but from what I understand, there there is a generation of, of, of founders who are making headway in that regard.
0: Is there anything that you've learned about this particular ecosystem that is uh, really interesting as an opportunity for you guys? Or as a threat, maybe conversely? If I look at both sides of that.
2: No, I think I, I was actually just having a conversation a few minutes ago with uh, an investor who focuses on Francophone uh, as a region. And uh, he was telling me that uh, we were having a conversation around the fact that, sure, language is different or or, or culture is different, certain nuances, but for the most part, founders who need assistance with uh, product support or growth marketing tools and techniques and uh, pitch decks and fundraising and, and all of these sorts of things these are common regardless of language uh, these are these are specific discipline uh, or areas that, uh, that 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 founders need assistance with thinking about it from an ecosystem perspective and so there's there's huge uh, synergies that can be drawn there I think as as, as a starting point yeah. and I think market-wise there is an opportunity if you look at logistics for example uh, to, to come into a, a region as an anglophone as a Nigerian Ghanaian South African startup especially if you're operating in, in one of those sectors uh, that does require you to cross borders uh, I think there there is a, a, an opportunity that can be exploited a lot more than we have seen previously.
0: Mm, so true. There is indeed a fantastic opportunity in cross border trade and expansion across the Francophone regions. It's one of the many reasons why this particular region is so exciting for so many investors. Some great insights there from Rajiv, and I hope that sparks some ideas for you listening. Next, we sat down with Hungui Mwambwadzi from Commerce Ventures. They are a specialist fintech investor with. 550 million euros under management commerce ventures backs early and growth stage companies in fintech insurtech and climate fintech sectors and we caught up with hungui to find out exactly why she's so excited about this region
3: about a month ago i I joined a german vc fund called commerce ventures um, which is a specialist fund in the fintech insurtech and climate fintech space um, they've just recently closed a 300 million euro fund in Feb-March and one of their new interest areas was investing in Africa. So here we are.
0: Nice. And for those who are relatively new to the, this particular region, why Senegal, why West Africa? I mean, it's quite a frontier market. Yeah. Um, normally with funds, you know, we find with especially like European funds, they, they're very focused on the big four, obviously. But so what did it excited you guys to come and make the effort to come to Senegal?
3: So one of the, the big things that we are trying to achieve here is is actually really plugging into an ecosystem, right? And so West Africa is often quite divided, you know, we refer to it as West Africa, but it will often quite be divided into Francophone and then sort of Anglophone West Africa. But like you've said, most of the opportunities or people tend to run towards where the money is screaming the loudest, right? And It makes a lot of sense to start exploring what else is out there. But this is a region where I think to to most of us who aren't in Francophone Africa is fairly unfamiliar and and feels a bit strange and and perhaps one of those that you'd approach with caution because you just don't understand it. But really I think the most exciting part of wanting to come to to this particular space in, in Senegal is being able to kind of tap into the nuances of Francophone Africa, understand what the real opportunities are, get a sense of what's going on on the ground as well. Um, In a way that may be different to what we know and understand about West African markets like Nigeria or or Ghana Which are a lot easier to navigate especially even from a language barrier perspective Uh,
0: Having come back here maybe after a while what have been your some of your initial reactions perceptions Realizations through some of the conversations you've had or some of the investments you've heard are being made like give people like a What what have been
3: some of the things that have stood out for you has been quite well? That's interesting the Francophone region is actually a region that I'm not very familiar with, right? So I've been to Senegal about once ten years ago for about a day. Okay. But even that, it, it feels very different having come here then and being here right now. Uh, in terms of West Africa, my God, where to where to begin, right? I mean, West Africa is possibly my favorite region um, across the continent. It is. There's something about, an, there's an energy in West Africa, I call it almost like a hustling spirit, or there's a mm. can there's like do there's a resilience that I absolutely love. Um, I actually considered, I tried to move to, um, a month before the pandemic, hit. I was about to move to Accra, just to, I literally just wanted to immerse myself in that energy and absorb as much of it as possible. Right, it's it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. I love seeing it in work, I love seeing it in action. I mean, in Ghana, they have this thing called Jiniyamp, for instance, which is, I think it means nothing above God or something along those lines. And it's this very driven sort of self-assurance and self-confidence that people around you carry themselves with. It's, it's a very, you know, we can do and solve for whatever we need to do with what we have. We, we don't need to have everything figured out right now, but we'll work it out as we, as we go along. They just start and they get on with it and they get stuff outside. I mean, I love that energy personally, so I always keep coming back to, to the region. Um, some of the the biggest changes that I I'm excited to see is particularly in in the small ecosystems. I mean, if you take Nigeria for an example, um, Nigeria is essentially made up of you know hundreds of small micro economies. Everyone likes to think of it as one huge economy, but it's like tiny little pockets of of excellence and and innovation that are happening all over. Um, and coming across some of them a couple of years ago, I went to a part of Lagos that is known to be sort of the, the center of the printing industry and seeing where that re- sort of little sector has gone from just in a couple of years, the digitization that has taken place, the, the growth, you know, the, the, the different sort of ecosystems that have built around that. I mean, it's fascinating to see and it's a huge industry. It's about $2 billion industry in, per annum, right? Um, but digitization has also revolutionized that industry and technology has revolutionized it so quickly. That it is, it's, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to see where it started and where it is now and where it could go because, you know, it's not necessarily where it needs to be. There's so much work that needs to be done from sure. an infrastructure perspective. So it screams with potential of what else could we do in this?
0: Such a great thought to ponder on. One of the many reasons that investors and founders alike are setting up shop in the region to answer that very question, what else can be done? If there are two chaps that know what else can be done, it's Mohamed Karar and Zachariah George from Launch Africa Ventures, a frontier pan-African fund solving the significant funding gap in the seed to Series A bridge funding investment landscape in Africa. Arguably the most active venture fund on the continent with 100 portfolio startups across 20 African countries, we sat down with both of them to try and find out what they like and what they find exciting about this region first up we chatted to mohammed
4: yeah i mean in general i'm interested in going uh, into all of the ecosystems but as as launch africa some of my other colleagues have been to senegal Uh, we have made six investments so
0: far here in senegal most of which have actually come from uh, madame very cool um and what 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 makes you guys especially at launch africa i mean you guys are the most active uh probably guys on the ground here i mean i know that you've you've invested into i think it's 18 countries um what what makes you so excited? Just to keep focus on the Senegalese ecosystem and this francophone ecosystem. Why why are you guys so excited about it? And, and I mean, six investments is good, and you guys are hungry for more. So, what is it about this ecosystem that you're really enthusiastic about?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's still quite early in this ecosystem. Um, obviously, they're have they're having great support from their government and yeah. their local ecosystem players. Um, that's wonderful. Um, and yeah, we are, and we are also seeing some of the uh, examples that are being set here in Senegal. Mainly Wave, right? Wave is doing phenomenally well. I'm sure others will start to follow. I'm sure there will be more investment appetite internationally into Senegal. Um, the other thing is also the the uh, francophone fit. Um, so. It, it's a lot easier to expand from one francophone country to another francophone country than doing one anglophone company country to another anglophone sure. uh, uh, country, um, due to the trade agreements, but also due to the similarities um, in culture and,
0: and, and consumer profile. Super cool. Okay. And um, you mentioned obviously Dan the great work that they're doing, and, and, and you hope it's a great model for other kind of emerging markets to kind of, uh, kind of. Balance or peg themselves to mm-hmm. talk a bit about how like what their involvement is, what they do, and how they help. You know, specifically you guys from an investor lens be able to yeah. invest in six uh, businesses.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, as opposed to some of the advanced markets like the Silicon Valleys of the world, you know, the, most of their risk comes from competition risk. But here in Africa, especially in these frontier markets, most of the risk comes from geopolitical risk. Um, and so here, Ladera, as part of the government, they actually invest in the company. So I'm pretty sure they wouldn't invest unless they know that uh, you know, they have the right licenses to operate um, and, and, and can mitigate a lot of the geopolitical risk. Um, so that's something that's very incentivizing for us to join them and on, on their investments.
0: And next we caught up with Zachariah George, their managing partner, over a cold beer on the terrace after a long day of many conversations.
3: This was a very
5: eye-opening trip for me. Obviously, we've, we've, we've seen West African or Francophone West African startups plenty of times before. At Startup Bootcamp, we ran the largest accelerator in Africa. It's been four 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 and a half, almost five years now. But our, our interactions with these startups have been limited to phone calls, Zoom meetings, etc. and the odd trip to Abidjan or Dakar. Um, the opportunity to meet these founders face-to-face during a conference alongside other VCs and investors on the continent that focus on this region is very eye-opening because you understand some of the challenges about, for example, doing POCs and pilots with, um, with Francophone Africa-based telcos and sure. insurance companies and banks. Um, when you meet these founders in isolation, they can paint a very overly rosy picture about what they do, but the moment you meet them alongside other regional investors and large corporates, you get a more balanced um, picture. And that's why this conference was was very eye-opening on multiple levels. The one thing I will say though is um, the 13 or 14 countries in Francophone West Africa have a lot more in common sure. than their counterparts in East Africa or Southern Africa so similar language um, similar uh, culture and more importantly uh, similar currency that is spec to the euro so from a scaling outside of your home market perspective um, if we pay more attention to the unit economics for these startups they actually could be a lot quicker to scale into other markets than a similar company in Nigeria or Kenya or South Africa. That was, that was quite an eye-opening thing for me. this
0: And that was what Lord Africa Ventures had to say. Last but not least, we finally managed to track down Tijandem, the general partner at Partech Africa, one of the most active tech investors in the world, bringing together capital, operational experience and strategic support for the entrepreneurs at seed, venture and growth stages. Their current portfolio includes over 200 companies in 38 countries, of which 16 are valued at more than a billion dollars. Now, small disclaimer, Tijan is an incredibly difficult guy to pin down, and so the only opportunity we got was at the networking drinks function after the summit. Hence why during this clip, you will hear quite a lot of background noise from the delegates and the musicians. We've done our best to clean it up, and we thought we would include it rather than not, as Tijan always drops such great insights having worked in the market for so long. So tune your ears and listen in, because this one's going to be great. Firstly, thank you so much for your time. Um, let's just start macro. So, you know, West Africa, yeah. Senegal, Dakar, d'Ivoire, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's still relatively unknown for the broader market. Yeah. People are obviously quite aware of the top four, Lagos, Kenya, South yeah. Africa. Yeah. What would you how would you start? How would you introduce this part of the world from a tech investment ecosystem perspective? Oh man.
6: Uh, usually I say this, uh, once you take out the top four markets in Africa, yeah. everything else is pretty similar. Half of it is Francophone, the other half is uh, Anglophone. So don't underestimate the Francophone part, it's 400 million people. Um, like all African cities, they're all coming online,
0: sure.
6: uh, startups are, are popping up everywhere. Uh, there is the same economies. Uh, in mobility and logistics, in commerce everywhere that benefit hugely from digitizing. So the opportunity is the same. Uh, the question is, why are we not seeing yet uh, African startups from this region emerge on the global scene? Sure. But the opportunity is definitely there.
0: It is there and I think, you know, for me personally, it's definitely opened my eyes. You know, uh, I've been to all the other regions, first time in Dakar. Yeah. And and the perception has definitely shifted and I think what's so great though especially with this country I mean we were in the unconference the other day where we had yeah. the minister sitting in and, and, and getting involved and whether whether you whether we agree on government's pr- procedures or regulations or it's the first time that we've we've been in a region where somebody's been so hands-on which has been yeah. fantastic yeah. and it just seems you know similarly yeah. to to Paul what Paul Kagame is doing in Rwanda yeah. Yeah. you know the government's very involved in enabling that yeah. um, Do you think that private sector could play a bigger role as well? Absolutely.
6: So, actually, I'll I'll step back a bit on what's going on, I think, in Dakar and also happening probably in all the West African countries and all the way to Cameroon. You have a pool of talent that is quite strong. This is something that can be easily overlooked sure. because they don't speak English. Sure. <laughs> uh, but a pool of software engineers that is really strong. Dakar is a city that is full of schools. People come from all over the region to study in Dakar, and all of these students, you know, come out skilled and ready to work. And entrepreneurship becomes a, plays a huge role in absorbing these people in the workforce, and everybody is aware of this. Uh, the private sector as well as the government yeah. so it's no wonder that the government is there next to you is hands-on yeah. and trying to foster and support entrepreneurs yeah. because we are having this huge pool of young talent sure. that you need to put to work otherwise sure. it becomes something else yeah. Unpleasant. Yeah. and um, a lot of governments around here are also just coming to terms with the fact that uh, these tech startups are not just some side phenomena. Sure. That it's something that is attracting significant attention to their countries. They love that attention. Yeah. It's attracting significant yeah. investment. Yeah. The way VC investment has been growing compared to private equity is the same everywhere. And so it's becoming significant as sure. investment. So they're looking at it. And so that's what's driving government. Now should private sector be involved? You know private sector will be involved if they see money for them in it, right? I keep saying that What we are missing probably is that founding event where an investment by some angel or a private company into this tech startup scene pays off beautifully and it becomes the new and the next day everybody wants it. We have not had that yet. Um, So for now, you know, you can see a few big corporates like Orange getting involved. Uh, You can see a few angels and and keep in mind that in the Francophone space investment Angel investment is not in the culture. Yeah. But we are already seeing a few angels getting in. I think we just need that that spark, that startup that and if you look at the pool of early stage startup right now, I think that's that spark is nearly here. That that one company that will just go ballistic and everybody is regretting not putting money in it so yeah. that the next day two things happen. All everybody have their check out and are looking for a company to invest. Yeah. And every good talent sitting in a corporate is thinking this could be me.
0: Yeah. Ah always love turning to Tijan. He always brings such a measured and thoughtful insight to every conversation and PC shares. I hope you managed to catch all that. I hope it was clear enough for you. And most importantly, that this episode gave you a better idea of what makes the West African and more specifically, the Senegalese ecosystem so exciting and full of opportunities. So that's it for today, folks. I hope that added value. Till next time, stay hungry, stay true. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Till then, cheers.